Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Do me a favor while we're, while we're applauding, while we're in that mode, let's uh, give it up for our Sherwood campus right now. And God's doing some amazing things down there. Uh, if you're just uh, like today's your first time here, or maybe you haven't been in a while, we want to say thanks for coming. You could have been anywhere. I'm Pastor Bobby. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. Um, and we've been in a series uh, called a Redemption, Sto- a Redemption Story, Ruth. And I was thinking about it this morning when I was getting ready, because sometimes we take for granted like a title, like everybody understands the title. And the reason we call it a redemption story, because there's a type of in scripture all throughout the Bible, and you see it over and over again. Every book of the Bible talks about Jesus somehow. And that's why it's a redemption story. There's a crimson thread from Genesis all the way to Revelation. But we really see it applied and kind of come out in this book. And you're going to see today, because today's when it starts to get a little weird. If you've read, how many people did the assignment this week? You read Romans, Romans chapter three. How many people wrote Uh, Ruth chapter three, and you're probably going, oh my goodness, what's going on here? We're going to explain it all, but you're going to start to see Boaz as a type of Jesus. He's going to be the redeemer for the, for, for uh, Ruth. And so it's going to be exciting. Let's, for, just for everybody's sake, let's get this all on the same sheet of music. Week one, uh, we looked at a story and the main characters of the story are Naomi, Ruth, Orpah, and, and their sons and a husband that's dead now. They're in this place called Moab for about 10 years, okay? They planned on spending maybe a year, maybe two, a couple harvests maybe, but for some strange reason, it left, you know, the, the famine stayed there and, and there was no, there was no kind of relief. And so they stayed in Moab for a period of time. In that, um, Naomi's husband passes away and her two sons. Could you imagine that? So as part of culture, we're going to see a lot of culture. You're going to hear that word a lot today. As part of culture, uh, she was responsible, but they decided, she decided they were going to go back to Bethlehem where they were from. And on their way back to Bethlehem, she gave Orpah and she gave uh, Ruth an option to stay or go. Orpah went back and Naomi was now uh, walking hand, hand in hand with Ruth. And I love the line. We, we, we looked at it the very first week. He says, where you go, this is what Naomi says, where you go, I will go, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Nothing but death will separate us. How many people would love to have people around them and their community just like that to say, wherever you go, I go. Now it's interesting because I didn't expect to have this conversation today, but over the last three or four days, I've seen time and time again uh, of, of people that have had community around them and how it's worked out. And I'm going to say a big, bold statement, okay? Really big, bold statement right now. Everybody needs to be a Ruth and everybody needs a Ruth in their lives. Um, I don't know how people that don't have community around them make it through hardships. I'm, I'm actually in, um, I'm, I'm going, one of my best friends, I've known him for 30 something years. He was actually in my wedding. His daughter, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, his daughter was um, not well and she was in the hospital. And it's every day, twice a day, three times a day, we're communicating back and forth. Like we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. And that to me is what a Ruth is. Ruth is somebody that's loyal through tough times, that's there through the easy times, that's, that's, that's like you can depend on at all times. And everybody in this room, everybody in this room. So I'm gonna encourage you, if you're not in a community group, get into a community group. 
It's a place that you can uh, be known and know people. It's a place where you can pray and be prayed over. It's, it, it's just a place where I believe life change happens. I'll say this, and this is going to get some people that have been around church all their life a little bit upset. Life change does not happen in rows. It happens in circles. So when we're in community with people drinking coffee and eating, you know, a meal together, that's where life change happens. So that's, that's my whole big plug. Uh, Caleb Meeks didn't ask me to do that. I don't get paid anything extra to do that. If you guys come, it's just, it's the best thing for us as people of faith to be involved. Okay. So she uh, arrives, Naomi and Ruth arrive in Bethlehem and she says, don't call me Naomi. And Naomi, the word, the name means pleasant. And now she wants her name to be changed to Mara, which means bitter. And so now she went in and she literally says this, I went, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Anybody ever felt like that? Like just life has, has kind of just sucked everything out of you, all, all the good stuff. In spite of Naomi's less than optimistic outlook, her life is about to change if she would just kind of hold on a little bit longer. And though Naomi was uh, saying negative things, I think this is one of the positives about Naomi is she got and started making positive moves as far as the direction of her life. These were the three points that I talked about. Get on the right road that leads you where you need to go. So many times we are not on the road that God wants us to be. And so simply as this, just get on the right road, get off of that road, get on the right road. The second thing I said is understand that not everybody will take the trip of life with you. Orpah stayed back at Moab and Ruth and Naomi walked into Bethlehem. And the other one was, even if you don't feel positive about everything in your life, anybody ever had that moment? You just don't feel like positive about everything in your life. Just keep making positive steps. Keep moving in the direction God wants you to do and watch what God will do. I believe it's that moment right there when she was cresting the hill that she was just about in Bethlehem. The Bible says this she realized that it was the barley season. It was the beginning of the season of harvest. And I believe a lot of people right before that moment quit. And so that was week one. I was a lot in week one. Week two, Alan talked about this. And I was amazed at some of the truth that came out of last week. Uh, after Ruth had the initiative to do what she was going to do, she realizes that she needs some assistance. So she goes in the field of Boaz, right? We're going to talk about Boaz a lot today. But she goes in the field and she starts doing the very little things, the littlest things in our lives. And this is what I've learned. It's in the little things that God moves, not in the big things. It's in the little faithfulness, the one step in front of another when God moves. And that's what we talked about. God acts primarily through people. And he was going to work through Boaz and he was going to work in through Ruth and Naomi in this situation. Alan also said this, that in, uh, it's in the everyday that God um, does most of his work. How many people would love to see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle in their life? Raise your hand if you would. Most of us would, if you, like everybody else is liars. Like, I want to have a Red Sea. I, I would love to have a Red Sea experience every morning, like where I wake up and, the, and, 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 and Washington Road is parted. <laughs> and there's no traffic from my house to the, but it doesn't happen that way, does it? Like, I pray, I pray all the traffic away. I, I, and generally, when I pray that prayer, there's usually an accident that slows me down, but that's a whole other story. But you know what I'm learning in my life? It's in the everyday. It's in the everyday. It's not in the big miraculous. It's in the everyday, small little miracles that God moves in my life. And then we talked about the hasad, the kindness or the constant work of God in our lives and how he is still a kind God. He's still a loving God, even though trials and tribulations may happen. Okay. So that's one and two. Now we're going to get into week three and um, there's going to be some references to ancient culture. Today's going to be more teaching than probably running around the stage because there's just so much truth right here. And this is where things start to get a little weird. Anybody ever traveled to a foreign country? 
Raise your hand if you ever traveled. And you get over there and they do things a little bit different or maybe even a little weird. Anybody ever been? So I was looking up some cultural things that maybe some of us have heard about. You maybe you've seen it on the History Channel. Here's one. I'm going to probably butcher this. If you're German, don't, don't get mad at me. It's Polter, Polterabend in Germany. It, it means the wedding shower. And it's when the day before a wedding uh, that people, all their friends, throw and break plates uh, at the, at the, uh, the bride's or the bride and groom's house. And I'm thinking, why? It's supposedly good luck. It's supposedly like they're going to have a great marriage and it's supposed to mean blessing. Now, this one's my favorite. We should have done this for last. In Finland, there's an annual wife carrying world championship. <laughs> this is actually called, just keep that there. It's, it's called Estetonian style. It's, this is how they carry their spouses. Been trying to get my wife to do this with me for years. She refuses to get up, but like, but you know what this is, the, the culture was in the 1900s, somebody came in and robbed somebody's house and they stole all their goods and they stole their wife. And that's how they carried them out, okay? Weird culture. This is my, this is, this is another good one. This is the rolling cheese down the hill in England. Anybody ever heard of this one? Okay, weirdest thing. I was gonna show the video, but we would get blocked and they would shut us down because it's a YouTube video, but the video actually shows they throw this wheel of cheese and hundreds of people, like a ski resort, are running after this cheese. They get up to 70 miles an hour. 75% of the people have an injury when they, I am not doing this. This does not seem, but it's a cultural thing. They do it in their culture. And here's another one. Like we do fireworks in the South, and sometimes this happens when we're doing fireworks, like somebody misses a bunch of, but in a part, in parties in certain countries, and this one happens to be in Scotland, they actually throw fireballs into their party. So like in our next small group, this is what we're doing. We're going to get around and we're going to get around and we're going to throw a fireball. It's weird, right? Today, what we're going to talk about is going to be weirder than that. And so when you start reading it, okay, you just go, you just scratch your head. So let me give you the first custom uh, the thing that we have to talk about. If you have a Bible, pick up Ruth chapter three, verse one. We're going to start here. It's 18 verses, I think. We're going to read all 18 verses. We're going to kind of break, break it down a little bit. And at the very end, I'm going to give you real quick, this is how we can apply it to our lives. But I think we've got to get this first. This is really important, okay? So Ruth chapter three, verse one. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it, it, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for, right? Boaz is a close relative of ours. He has been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. So the very first thing I see is that these are, these are prearranged marriages or these are things that somebody else is setting up, which we don't have that much in this culture. Other countries do it, but in this culture, we don't have that. Now, here's the important thing. In the previous chapter, we found out that Boaz was referred to as the kinsman redeemer. And that's really important. Here, it says close relative. Let me explain what a kinsman redeemer is. It's a man who volunteered to take the responsibility for his extended family. So let's say my brother passes away. I'm responsible for my whole family now. I'm responsible for paying all the bills. I can buy the land. I'm responsible for taking care of that spouse. I'm responsible for everything. And literally, like in this case, Naomi has an option. Now, I want you to think about how this is. 3,000 years ago, they didn't have Social Security. 3,000 years ago, they didn't have life insurance. This is how they did it. Family members, I'm going to tell you something. I bet our custom, our, our, our society would be a lot better off if we had something like this in place where people actually took care of people still in their family. 
And so you see this, so 3,000 years. In ancient Israel, it was the next of kin, and if the next of kin couldn't afford it, it would be the next of kin after that. Eventually, if they couldn't find anybody, they could go outside the family unit and they could find what they would call the kinsman redeemer. Now, Naomi could go to this kinsman redeemer and say, will you buy back the land that's mine? Would you buy it back and be my spouse? And he would, he would, he would, he would have that option. But in this story, there's something that happens here. She realizes that, well, let's just face it, Boaz is a fancy for Ruth. Like, he put, he, put, he put her in the field, in the prime spot in the field, and said, you can glean from, from my field. He, his eyes, his eyes are flittering like he's, he's getting a little pattern in his chest because he likes what he sees in, in Ruth. And so in this process, Naomi could have said, listen, I'm the next of kin. You're going to buy my land back. But he literally gives the option to Ruth to be that person. And so in this process, all of a sudden, Ruth is going to be set up to be taken care of. But I think Naomi realized this that if Ruth was taken care of, Naomi was going to be taken care of. And if Naomi was taken care of, she was going to take care of Ruth. So there was a little bit of stuff going on right there. She knew that somebody was going to take care of somebody. Now, here's the deal. I want to get this. I want to just put it on pause for a second because what we've seen in Naomi's life right now up to this point is bitterness, but there's a change here. See, I believe this. The unpleasant circumstances in our lives, hear me on this, may be the very thing that God uses to change us. Those unpleasant moments in our lives, we all have them, don't we? We have those tense moments. I believe that that's what happens here. This is not the same woman that was two chapters before this. Two chapters before, she's sitting in Moab going, I came to this place full and I'm going back empty. I'm bitter. You aren't going to call me. You're going to call me now Mara, which means bitterness. And now all of a sudden we see this transition. I believe God is slowly working in her life. And God's going to slowly work in our lives if we allow him. In, in those moments where we don't understand Warren Wiersbe says this. I love this. It says, if our circumstances change for the better, but we remain the same, then we will become worse. God's purpose is providence is not, in providence is not to make us comfortable. It's to make us conform, conform, conformable. <laughs> conformable to the image of the son of Christ. Now I've shared this story before. I want you to imagine that you have, and you're at home and you have three pots of water. And you start to put the pots, uh, and they start to boil. You put them on the stove and they start to boil. And you have three items. You have, you have an egg and you have a potato and you have coffee. Think about this for a second. Now you put each of them in there and after it starts to boil, what happens to the egg? Hard boils. It gets hard. What happens to the potato? It gets soft. It gets mushy. What happens to the coffee? It changes the water, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, it's this, it's this delightful, beautiful thing that we, we spend millions of dollars for every year at Starbucks. We call it coffee now, right? And that's the same in our lives. When the circumstances of life, when we're putting that water in that, that boiling pot of water, what are you conforming to? Are you conforming to a hard-boiled egg where you're getting a hard exterior and you don't want to be around anybody and you're talking, to anybody, you know, and you're bitter because that's where, that's where she was? Or do you get mushy and you just get... Like everything just happens and it's the way it is. Or do you change the circumstances? Do you change the water? And I believe that it's in those moments. And I'm telling you, sometimes I even believe God permisses things to happen like that for us to be changed in, you know, on the inside. Listen to what First Peter says. 
So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. He's saying that we bring, we bring honor to God when we go through those circumstances, when we go through those hard times. Naomi's, Naomi's circumstances started to, be, to change, didn't they? And because of that, she got better. So just real quick question to you. You don't have to raise your hand. Circumstances, do they make you better? Do they make you worse? Do they make you hard? Do they, do they make you mushy? Or do you, do you take that and you change the water? You change the circumstances by what you're doing. How are you honoring God in those moments? Because what we see here is she's honoring God. That's the first thing, okay? That's the first kind of big truth. Here's the second thing, the second custom. This is where it starts to get really kind of weird, weird. Y'all with me on this? Say, Pastor Bobby, I'm with you on this. Okay, Boaz is a close relative of ours. And he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume and dress in the nicest clothes, then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he's finished eating and drinking. I, I'm not sure why, unless she was not very pretty, maybe. I don't know, anyway. Be sure. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So, so she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down on the far end, a pile of grain, and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Now, I'm just going to tell you, that sounds kind of racy, doesn't it? Go get cleaned up. Put on a really pretty dress. Spritz some of that Gina Tay on there. Get ready to roll, right? It's not nearly as racy as you think it is. As a matter of fact, you're going to start to see the symbolism, symbolism of the redemption story and how Boaz becomes Jesus right now. So Naomi tells and instructs Ruth, her daughter-in-law, to do all this stuff. And she lays down at his feet, which you know what was a sign of? what slaves did to their masters. Now, I try to bring into this conversation, this is what I've been trying to get my wife to do for years, lay at my feet, but it would not fly. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> but the symbolism here is this, redemption story. We're called to lay at the feet of Jesus. We're called to lay all our stuff down at the feet of Jesus. And so when we start seeing Boaz start to elevate to this place. There's so much truth in this. And so don't get caught up in all the weirdness of the customs. Get caught up in the truth that God is, Jesus is, or, or Boaz is a type of Jesus in this story. And so here's, here's the next one. Here's another custom. Verse eight, if you're following along. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. I bet I would be too. <laughs> Did you ever notice there's so much understatement in the Bible? Could you imagine going to bed tonight? And all of a sudden, you feel the call. Anyway, who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer, kinsman redeemer. Now, we, we went from, it seemed to be racy, to more symbolism. See, where he was at, like, this wasn't, she wasn't being sent to the bedroom. She was being sent to the barn, where they had been working all night long. All night long, they'd been working. And it's one of those situations in this process 
The reason he was there, because he was protecting his crop. She was there to say, listen, I want and I need a kinsman redeemer. This last part with the cloth over. How many people are married in this room? Raise your hand. So how many people did it the traditional way where you, you bent down on a knee and you, you asked that person, raise your hand. Hopefully just the guys. I, I rem- I, it was April 1st. And the first thing out of my mouth was, what do you see in the sky, baby? Stars. Didn't I do this? <laughs> so ridiculous. If you could have one dream, what would it be tonight? Sorry. I got down on the one knee and I said, I'm going to make your dream come true tonight. <laughs> and I, I asked her to marry me. Riverwatch. April, first thing she said, let me be honest with you. First thing, it was April 1st. Did y'all catch that? The first thing she said, is this a joke? Is this real? So how many people did it just that romantic as I did? <laughs> but so you give a ring, right? That's the symbolism of this. They didn't give rings back then. They would literally put the cloak over top of the feet of the master, and then it would drape over to the person. What she was saying is, I want to be your bride. I want you to take care of me. I, want, I need you to be and take care of me. Could you imagine? Right? More symbolism. And then Boaz commits to taking care of Ruth, and I love this part one way or another. Verse 10, the Lord bless you, my daughter. Boaz exclaimed, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now, don't you, uh, and, and now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in this town knows you are a virtuous woman. Well, why virtuous? And I don't like this in scripture. I don't like this in my life. What's the next word? But. But. This is what he says to her. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there's another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning, I will talk to him. And if he is willing to redeem you, well, very well, let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lay down there until morning. He's literally saying one way or another, you're going to be taken care of. What a great moment. Hey, can I let you know a secret? One way or another, Jesus takes care of us, doesn't he? One way or another, it may not be. It may not. It may not be the way we planned it. It may not be the direction we thought. It may have a whole different, a whole different way. But one way or another, God takes care of us. I love it. So Ruth lay down Boaz's feet until morning. When she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, "No one must know that this woman was here at the threshing floor." Then Boaz said to her, "Bring your cloak and spread it out." He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi said, what happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Now watch this. If you're an underliner in your Bible, if you're a note-taker, write this one down. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Now, how do we take this old text? This was written 3,000 years ago. How do we apply it to our lives? In the next 10 minutes, I'm just gonna, this is how it applies to our lives. Here's the first thing. We need to learn in our life to make it a priority to take care of others. 
when we take care of others, God returns the blessing to us. What's the old saying? What comes around? So you got Ruth and Naomi, and Naomi has, has a choice. Should I be taking care of myself or should I, should I be taking care of Ruth? And she decides, man, you want to talk about countercultural in the world that we live in. That barely happens nowadays where we're concerned about somebody else's well-being above ours, but somehow or another in this. Here's your choices. Here's our choices as followers of Jesus Christ. You can seek out solutions to your problems in such a way that you get taken care of and everyone else gets left out in the cold. That's one way, right? You can just take care of your, you can be selfish. Or you can take care of, uh, take um, and seek out solutions of your problem in such a way that those around you are blessed as much, if not more than you are. Now, let me ask the question, which one do you think God blesses? One or two? Isn't that the very thing he did for us? It didn't benefit him to go to a cross. He died. He laid his life down for us. He became our servant. He was more concerned. I always say this. He was doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We couldn't die on the cross for ourselves and, re- and have a redemption story. We had to have Jesus to do that. Here's the second thing. Doing things the right way often requires a calculated risk. Now think about this. The plan was, I'm going to send Ruth in to do this, right? I'm, going to, I'm, I'm sending Ruth. You're going in. But what if the plan backfired? What, 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 what if... What if What if she was sent in there and Boaz took advantage of her in the middle of the night? How does that change the story? What if somebody saw her in there? There's a thousand what if. But you know what? She had to have a calculator. It was a calculated risk. I mean, literally, Boaz could have said no to this whole plan. But he said yes. Could have embarrassed her. He could have shamed her. He could have tarnished her, her reputation. He could have all those things. He could have ruined her chances of ever being a man. There was a risk involved. Hey, how many people know that faith requires a risk? Sometimes you have to take a chance in life, don't you? Sometimes in order to do the right thing, you have to take a chance. Sometimes in order for God to bless you, you got to take a chance. And, 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 and truthfully, Ruth was willing to take that. In order to create, here's, here's something I'm lear- I've learned. In order to create the life that I want to live, you have to do more than sit and wait. You have to do something. It used to be said, sometimes you have to make your own luck. I just believe that when you're traveling in the direction of God, it's not luck, it's blessings. And he continues to pour out blessings when we're doing what God's called us to do. When we're going, she had to get back on the road to Bethlehem in order for the blessings to start. And here's the third thing. Even the best plans may include a challenge. Anybody know that? Even when you have, you think everything is going to work out, there was a snag. Did y'all catch the snag? He wasn't the closest. He wasn't the kinsman redeemer. Somebody else was closer. Now, if you haven't read chapter four, it all works out. But we don't know that. And by the way, she didn't read chapter four. She was just going to go through with the process, but there was a snag. And what, what happens? What happens if that snag leads another direction in our lives? We're going to have, it's not always going to work out the way we thought it was going to work out. That job is not going to happen. That relationship may have a breakdown. That sickness, whatever it is, it's going to happen. It happens in our lives. 
It's all in how we handle the challenges of our life. Go back to the the egg and the potato and the coffee. Which one are you going to be? When those challenges come up, when those challenges happen. I remember, if I can tell you just a real quick story, when we were getting ready to renovate this whole place, they brought us a price. And when they brought us the price, there was no way we could afford it and still do ministry. And I remember sitting with our elders. We have an elders board. And I remember sitting with our elders and we were just kind of, we were kind of scratching our head. We were like, what's the next move? There was a snag. And then all of a sudden, you know what what happened? God spoke to us and God started to open doors for us. And he started closing doors where he didn't want us to go. That's what happens when challenges. Challenges are an opportunity for us to see faith uh, just kind of erupt in our lives. And because of the faith that we had, you know, back in 17, we were able to do the things that God, and we're going through the same exact thing right now as we get ready for the next phases of our church. There's going to be challenges in our lives. Count it. Man, we don't like to read James, do we? Do you like it? I hate it. It's my least favorite book of the Bible. You know why? Because it's true. Count it pure joy when struggles or trials or challenges come so many different ways. But count it pure joy. I don't. And here's the problem in the world we live in. And I'm going to use my favorite word. We have too many people that feel like they're entitled. That everything should happen on their time frame. And let me let you in on a secret. It doesn't happen that way. His, what does the Bible say? His ways are not our ways. And so many times, his ways are protecting us from things that would, that would hinder our walk with him down the road. So what are you going to do? Now, I, I, I wrote this out the other day, and I just, I, I'm convinced in verse 18 is one of the pivotal passages of Scripture. Listen to this. Just be patient. No. <laughs> no. How many people like patience? Don't pray for it. Don't pray for it. You'll get it. And you won't like the way you get it. I fall on the, on the side of I want it right now. Just be patient, my daughter, until, until we hear what happens. And this last line, I mean, all week long I've been reading this over and over again. And if this doesn't, if this isn't describing Jesus Christ and what he done, how he pursues us, there's no other scriptures in the Bible. It just says the man won't rest until he has settled things today. God is paying attention to what is going on in your life. Can you say amen to that? God is paying attention to what's going on in your life. Even when there's a delay, even when there's a holdup, even when there's a challenge, he'll provide the right answer for you and for me in the right time. In the right time. I hope we never look at this book the same way we looked at it before going into this last three weeks. I I hope we see how Boaz is rising up to be the type of Jesus that we would lay down our lives at his feet, that we would declare him master of our lives because he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He died on a cross. He sacrificed, he sacrificed for us. 
And because of that, we're taken care of. Did you hear me? It may not be the way you want to be taken care of. It may not be the way I want to be taken care of, but we're taken care of. He knows what's best for us. I want you to do me a favor real quick. Just shut your eyes for a second. I don't know what you walked into this place with. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know the challenges that you have. But there's a word that keeps coming up and I just want to lay this out and I want to pray over us. It's the word surrender. And I'm not talking about surrendering, giving up and quitting. I'm talking about surrendering. And I'm not talking about letting God do everything. There's a portion. I'm talking about this, that surrender to God, but never surrender to your circumstances. That you would do all you can and then leave the results in his hand. That's exactly what is happening in this story. Ruth is leaving everything in God's hand and letting him take care of it. What did you carry? Is it your marriage that you carried in here today? It's so heavy right now. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Is it a relationship that's broken down with a family member or somebody that you used to be in friendship with? Lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe, maybe the pressure's gotten so, so big. You don't even lay it at the feet of Jesus. Let him carry it for a while. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's somebody you love. Lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He loves you. He wants to be that redeemer for you. He wants to be the savior Lord. He wants to be the famous one. He's the famous one of the story of all creation, of all, everything in the Bible. He's the one that all history pointed to. And he's the one that you can depend on. I can depend on. Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, I don't know what people are carrying. I know the burden I'm carrying. And I know that there's things in my life that I have to lay down at your feet. That I, I, need, I, need to, I need to let you take over. So God, I pray that today, as we walk out of this place, it wouldn't be just a story of a man and a woman, a mother-in-law. It would be a story of how you redeemed us, every one of us, that we would lay down our lives at your feet and allow you to do the things in our lives that you need to do to get us to where you want us to be, a place of blessings and harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. One more week. Can y'all roll with me one more week? Next, it, get, it, get, it get good next week. It's going to be exciting. Read chapter four. Ask God what he wants to speak to you specifically, what he wants to speak to me specifically. Let's expect God to do something in our lives. Amen. 
Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.